know, in um, our text for today, Joseph is having a very bad day by anyone's standards. At the age of 17, just when he's supposed to be dreaming dreams about the future and beaming with bright hopes, life is the pits for Joseph, literally. His older brothers don't want to have anything to do with him anymore, and they don't love to watch out for their little brother anymore. Instead, they love to hate Joseph, and they throw him into a pit. They do it with the hopes of killing him and his dreams. This pit is symbolic of death because the Hebrew word for pit refers to the underworld. In other words, Joseph is in a living hell. Life is the pits for Joseph, and he's only guilty of two things. Being his father's favorite son, the apple of his eye, if you will, and being a dreamer. I understand the part about the brothers being jealous, as Catherine told us. Being jealous of their father's love for Joseph. Jacob didn't give his other sons an ornate robe, what in tradition is called the coat of many colors. But to turn on your brother because he's a dreamer? Associate Professor of Neurology at Boston University School of Medicine, Patrick McNamara, is an expert on the science of dreams. He's researched and written books on this topic and even has a blog titled Dreamcatcher, Neuroscience of Our Nightlife. He says that dreaming is a constant for all humans, no matter their culture. But not everyone recalls their dreams. But for those who dream and remember, sometimes they dream what is called a big dream, in which they encode in their memory an epic win of some sort. Maybe this is what upsets Joseph's brothers. Joseph just dreams too big. Yeah, those dreamers are ordinary people who imagine extraordinary things. Dreamers of big dreams aren't perfect people, and neither was Joseph. He's a tattletale, and it appears that he doesn't even do the same amount of work as his brothers in the fields. If I'm honest with you, Little brother Joseph seems to have it pretty easy compared to his big brothers. But to treat him like they do because his dreams make no sense, does that make any sense to you? Their father's beloved son doesn't deserve the pit for this. Well, at least big brother Reuben convinced the rest of them to just put him into the pit as opposed to killing him first. And while Joseph sits in the pit, his brothers sit down outside of the pit and have a meal, giving none of it to Joseph. They are cold, callous, uncaring, and definitely not what God would expect of them, hoping little brother dies anyway in that pit right along with his dream. And this all because they can't handle his big dreams. Their vision is limited. Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? 
That's what they said in verse 8. Not realizing that is exactly what will happen later in the story when they all go to Egypt looking for food during a famine and Joseph not only rules over them, but also saves them from starvation. The pit isn't even enough for them. When the opportunity arises for them to get rid of him and make some money, at the suggestion of big brother Judah, they sell their own flesh and blood into Egyptian slavery just because their brother is a dreamer. Sometimes family can be the worst enemy. We kind of sort of get it. That they hate him because their father loved him more than them. But the scripture in verse 8 also says they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Joseph's dreams get him into trouble. His dreams make his own family want to get rid of him. And they say in verse 19, then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They aim to deny Joseph his dreams by getting rid of him, and by doing so, deny the power of his dreams. They even want to make his dreams living nightmares for him. Everyone can't handle our dreams, so some will find any possible way to defy or ignore them. But dreams are significant, especially when they are God's dreams for us. Joseph dreams of him and his brothers binding sheaves in the field, and we hear in verse 7, My sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And if one dream wasn't bad enough, Joseph dreams again. And we read in verse 9, the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. I want you to catch this. There is no taunting in Joseph. There is no teasing. There are only two dangerous dreams. Dangerous because God's dreams disrupt the way things are. Dangerous because God's dreams threaten the status quo, the normal order of life. Dangerous because dreaming God's dreams might get you into trouble, because God inverts our human way of doing things, flipping life on its head. You know, like, the last shall be first, or the least or the greatest. The weak are strong. You know, the foolish or the wise to have life. You have to be willing to give it up. That's why Joseph's brothers are so mad. Joseph dreams on a different kind of world. A dream that would, as I said earlier, eventually become a reality as we read the rest of the Joseph narrative in the Bible. A dream that was a nightmare to his brothers, at least from their perspective, because if this dream was true, they wouldn't be running things any longer. So they resist the dreams by doing evil to their brother, causing great grief in their family. We find out later in the story, Reuben and Jacob tear their clothes in the agony of mourning when they think that Joseph, the dreamer, 
is dead. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a dreamer who put his life at risk and was killed because of his dream. He dreamed of a world that disrupted and disturbed the way life was, that disrupted the status quo in society. In Dr. King's most famous speech, he proclaimed, I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today, he said. The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. You know, Reverend King didn't live to see the elected representatives of the state of Mississippi that he referred to in that speech remove the Confederate battle emblem from their flag. But we, we were blessed to witness a small part of his dream fulfilled in this way. But not everyone understood all of Dr. King's dream then. Not everyone understands all of that dream today. Not everyone understands dreams. Not everyone can handle dreams. Not everyone wants our dreams to come true. Not everyone wants God's dreams to come true. Dreaming dreams that involve changing the order of things might get you into trouble like Joseph. Taking the risk to dream such dreams can feel dangerous emotionally. Dreamers know that some dreams will be unfulfilled in their lifetime. But that doesn't stop the dreamer from dreaming because to dream is to live and not to dream is to die. Dreams are deep yearnings of the mind and heart. Dreams are imaginative prayers of the human soul to the Holy Spirit for what the believer feels led by the Holy Spirit needs to change. You can be awake and dream. To dream the impossible dream. To imagine beyond what we see or experience how the world ought to be, how the church, community, nation, and world should be. To dream God's disruptive dreams. What's impossible to us is possible for God because nothing is impossible for God. God is a God of possibilities. A God of dreams. So, what are you dreaming? I mean, dreaming of a world. Dreaming of a world where there is fair distribution of wealth and food and health care for every single man, woman, boy, and girl on every continent. Dreaming of a world where there is a home and an excellent education for every human being. Dreaming of a world where nations take in people from other countries just because... They are humans, 
and treat them biblically as their own citizens. Dreaming of a world where there would be no more torture or violence of any kind against humanity. Dreaming of when we'll study of war no more. Dreaming of a world where there will be no more racism and no more sexism and no more classism, no more hatred of any kind. Dreaming of a world where Christians will actually love their neighbor as themselves. I'm dreaming this morning. Are you? Grounded in the triune love of God, the Father, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit, we may just realize what it means to be the beloved and loving community. And so I dream of a world in which we continue to look beyond the walls of the church to be the incarnation of God's practical love in the world, to be God's cathedral of care, an outpost of God's kingdom, the word with a capital W on the street among, with, and for the people. As we like to say here at St. Andrews, to reach up while at the same time reaching in and reaching out. Dreaming of a world, as Reverend King put it, where we finally realize that our destinies are tied together and that I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. Dreaming of a world, as Harlem Renaissance poet Langston Hughes put it, where love will bless the earth and peace its paths adorn. To dream of a world like this is nothing short of a gift of Pentecost, because without spirit, breath, and fire there can be no life. Dreaming God's world, God's order, God's kingdom, and God's dreams. But dreams are not always welcomed, because they are dangerous. But I have news this morning, brothers and sisters. God's dreams will prevail. So I have a question for you. What is God's dream for you? God will preserve his dream for you, even through detours, even when life is in the pits. God is at work in hidden, mysterious ways. Now, your dreams may not have come true, but that might mean because they aren't God's dreams for you. Or God's dreams for you may just be delayed for the moment. God's dreams, like in Joseph's stories, may be deferred, but will not be ultimately denied. Jo Joseph is not murdered. Though that was the initial plan, but God uses Reuben to save his life so that the dream does not die along with Joseph. God may be using unlikely people and predicaments to keep the divine dream within you alive. And the dream is still alive. Dreamers know this. God's dreams cannot be stopped. God's dreams will prevail because he is preserving his dreams for the world our country, this community, our church, and you.
The threat of death to Joseph could not stop his dream, nor could Egyptian slavery. His dream was deferred but not denied. Setbacks are just setups for comebacks. Your tomorrows will not be crushed by tough todays. Are there any dreamers out there this morning? This is about God's dream for your life and the world. Remember, it can be dangerous. You may have to take risks in your life by dreaming it, but in the words of poet Langston Hughes again, hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, life is a barren field frozen with snow. To dream is to live. Not to dream is to die. So dream on, brothers and sisters. Dream on, because God is not finished with you yet. Dream on, because it does not yet appear what we shall be. Dream on, for nothing is impossible with God. I'm signing up for the dream team. How about you? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.